Yesterday, Leaf dropped off his lottery for his 2023 big board. I guess the first installment of his big board. And now we are going to go through picks 15 through 30. And let's see which picks I disagree with. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host, Leif Tuline, who was on yesterday. Leif is struggling. We're not struggling, but are you still dealing with heavy COVID symptoms? I wouldn't say heavy, but definitely congested. My I had a sore throat to start and nothing else, and now the congestion's hitting me. So I'm a little nasally, but I'm doing all right. Watching a lot of basketball, so I'm I'm content. My man has COVID, and he's still showing up. Sore throat, still coming to drop off his big board. That is total dedication. All right. We left off at number 14, and now we are at number 15. But before we get into... 15 through 30 can you just give us a, a a recap of your top 14 your top lottery guys on your big board yeah i can just run it down real quickly uh victor Wenbanyama, scoot henderson uh, that's a tier of their own basically i had a little bit of a shocker here obviously uh, amen thompson's a lot of people's number three my number four was his twin brother osar thompson who I'm, I think, but higher than uh, than most people, higher on than most people. Brandon Miller comes at five, Cam Whitmore at six. Those two kind of split in hairs between five and six. Gigi Jackson, who you have five, so not exactly showing showing you something new, but a lot of people would be surprised to see him seven. Keontae George, eight, he backed that up with another impressive game tonight, um, leading Baylor to a win over West Virginia. Anthony Black, nine. Kaysen Wallace, 10. Nick Smith, 11. Derek Whitehead, 12, Jerace Walker, 13, and Maxwell Lewis of Pepperdine, number 14. All right, 15, who just missed your lottery? And that's Jet Howard. Jet Howard is a, a guy that I had my eye on entering the season, but I just wasn't sure where to rank him because I, he was never prominently featured on his high school team that had was loaded with talent, and it felt like, well, how can I put this guy in a first round if a if I don't know what role he's going to have on his college team, I don't know what role he had on his own high school team. And then he quickly established he can shoot off the dribble, shoot off the catch. Um, he's got great size for almost playing like a two guard at six, eight. Um, a lot of focus has been of size and shooting has been all on Grady Dick. I find Jet Howard to be the better athlete between the two of them and, a, and they're comparable shooters. I think Jet Howard has a higher defensive ceiling and more ball skill, uh, ball creation for himself. Um, and that, that not, won't necessarily be his entire NBA role, but I think he's got a higher ceiling because of that um, than does Grady Dick. So he's my number 15. But can he do a backflip like Grady Dick? Uh, how, did you get a chance to see that uh, video? I <laughs> heard he could. I haven't seen him do it, but I, I read something <laughs> that he did on Twitter or something. Yeah, he, uh, we're talking about Grady Dick. He shot a three. And this was in like an empty gym, and then he took a couple steps and did a backflip and uh, – my, my comment was, and people say he's not a good athlete. If you can do a backflip, you are a good athlete. May not necessarily be NBA functional athleticism, but it's just a, a joke here. But yeah, I, I had, I don't remember my big board, honestly, right now. 
I do think I had Jet Howard at 15 or, or 16. So I'm, I'm with you there. So far, we're cons- almost consistent, like our big boys. So there's got to be some difference coming up. Who, who do you have at number 16? I've got a guy that has just played his first collegiate game. That's Baba Miller. And that is, uh, that's flying on traits. Uh, that's fully reliant on believing in what he can do down the road. I think he's a developmental guy where you, you give him some good development coaching and you get, you reap the rewards down the road. I think he can be good for Florida state this year, but he's going to have a tough time acclimating joining in the middle of ACC play because the NCAA gave him a tough, tough cut. Um, And so I, this is one that I think when you watch him early in the season, you're going to think, Oh man, like another pedestrian performance. You just got to watch for flashes. And this is a guy that I think down the road will be worthwhile of taking him around. 15 to 20. Yeah, he had a, you know, it wasn't a big debut. I think he had four points, two or four shooting. First shot was an air ball. I like the size, the length, and, and the upside. And I had him at number 17, I believe. So I agree with you there. It is going to be a situation where he's not like a point guard like we saw when Sharif Cooper came in late. He had the ball in his hands a lot. And he kind of, I mean, he just really, really played well. I think this is a totally different situation where Baba's not going to be like the primary ball handler. So he's going to have to rely on others, getting him the ball. Um, I, I did catch pieces of the game and they were asking what the, the commentators had asked Leonard Hamilton, Florida state's coach, was he going to like ease him into the lineup? And he made the comment and, and, and don't quote me on, but basically like we need to win games. We need him to come in and, and help us try to get some 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 victory. So I, I do expect his minutes to go up. I think he played 17 minutes tonight. So I, I think he should be around 20 the next game. All right. So that is 15 and 16, number 17. Uh, the aforementioned backflip doing great be dick. I, I think he's one of the best shooters in the class. He's on arguably the best team in college basketball. So you know he can play a role on a winning team. Um, he's the lone freshman playing with veterans. Um, most of the players that are, that are on this team won a national championship. One of the other players has been deep in the tournaments, and that's Kevin McCuller. Um, I like that Grady Dick knows how to play. Um, he's played on high-level teams his entire life. He played at Sunrise Christian and was very impressive there. He cuts timely in a timely fashion. He's not an explosive half-court athlete, but he's a functional athlete. Um, in the open floor, obviously, his main desirable trait is shooting and shooting with size. I've heard him likened to Kevin Herter, and I don't think they're dissimilar. I think Kevin Herter's got a little bit more twitch to him. Um, but that said, if, I believe Kevin Herter was taken around 17. I can't exactly remember where he was, 17 or 19. And Grady Dix have been in thereabouts for this one for me, too. Yeah, I think Herter has a little bit more game off the bounce, a little bit more yep. game. But I mean, if if Grady Dick ends up being Kevin Herter, that's a pretty good steal for whoever drafted. And hopefully, they keep keep him. Atlanta. Who did Atlanta trade for him? Was it just they need to clear out the money so they can have Dejounte Murray? I don't remember who they got in return. Oh, uh, you know, honestly, I'm I'm blanking on that as well. I remember thinking it was to clear Dejounte though. I think I think it had to be done. Um, but he's he's thriving in Sacramento and red velvets really. Really, really showing more diversity to his his bag than than what just spot up shooting, which I think is the difference between he and Herder. But 
that's a comparison I don't necessarily think is 100% apt, but it's it's the archetype that you're looking to draft here. If you would have said before the season that Sacramento would be four games over 500 and the Atlanta Hawks would be three games under, I would have said you're crazy. Right. I, I would have agreed with you. <laughs> Number 18. Number 18 is Turquavion Smith. Um, he's He can fill it up. I think he fills a six-man archetype um, very well, and I think he's got potential to be more than that. Um, he's the, he's the catalyst on the team in the, in the NC state wolf pack that are, you know, middling in the ACC, but he shoulders a heavy load, which I think is good for him and learning how to shoulder that load score with defenses keyed on him. Because I think that's going to be something he does throughout his NBA career is that when he comes in, they fix it on him as a score. He's able to shoot the lights out. I'd argue he was the best shooter at the combine last year, returned to the draft and he's working on a few and returned to school in order to come out this upcoming year. And, you know, he's working on some, some things. I think there's gonna be some growing pains becoming more of a, a creator for others, but his scoring is undeniable. And I think he's got more athleticism and wiggle than some people know. All right. This is where we disagree. I have to on in the lottery. Here's my reason behind it. Number one, the assist numbers have doubled and you have to consider NC State has more wins right now, today, than they had all of last year. So I think he's contributing to winning. He is deadly off the catch. Just as a catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter, he's he's deadly. The percentages aren't great because he takes a lot of – I mean, he's just a, a irrational confidence guy, and I like irrational confidence guys. So here's, my, here's the reason why I have him in the lottery. If he's Jordan Poole or Bones Highland, if he is – very similar to those guys. That's lottery value. In a redraft, Jordan Poole is a lottery pick. I think in a redraft, Bones Highland is a lottery pick. So if Traquavion is those guys and those are the best comparisons, I think he's a lottery pick. You could make a strong point, though, that like if you were to talk about Bones Highland, obviously Jordan Poole in a redraft with the money he's getting paid would, would be a lottery pick. Bones Highland was awesome coming out of VCU, shouldered a similar load to what uh, Terquavion's doing at, um, at NC State, that he was a better defender coming out, and yet his defense is, is being – like he's the guy that you pick on in the NBA level. Do you think that Terquavion is immune to that, or do you think defensively he's going to be a liability at the next level? Yeah, I mean, he's probably, what, 170 now? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to pick on him and, and attack him, especially in the playoffs, but I still think you get – you get lottery value out of him. So where we at number 18? Yeah, so 19 coming up. All right. We'll get to 19 after we talk about Built Bar because I know it is January 12th. Some people may have already slipped on their New Year's resolutions. But if you are looking to eat healthy and you're looking for a delicious treat but do not want all the fat and the calories, then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know – most people, some of you guys are probably in shape. I, I imagine the NBA big board listeners are, are in great shape, but there's the, the few that aren't. You may want to eat a little healthier, and if you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then you got to try a built bar because we're built healthy is actually tasty. They're so delicious that they're actually good for you. And what if you're wondering what makes them good is that they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And they come with unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I don't know how they do it, but they find out a way to make it healthy and taste good. 
and it's only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only 17, and I sorry, a whopping 17 grams of protein. The cool thing about 2023 and Built Bar is you used to have to order them online at Built.com, but now you can find Built Bars at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That is right. Built Bar is at Walmart or Sam's Club. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. So if you are close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with the best flavors, brownie batter, churro, Thank me later. If not, you can go to built.com. All right. Once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. This is your host, Rafael Barlow with Leaf Tulane. I think we stopped at 18. So this is number 19. Who is number 19 on your big board? For, for many, I think you'll think that I would go with a, a more high profile big man once the big man start flowing. But this guy, I think, might even move up my board as it continues. And that's Daron Holmes from Dayton. Uh, he's a sophomore that's putting up numbers uh, more and more frequently. I, I think one in the Atlantic 10, he's going to win the most valuable player in the Atlantic 10. He's scoring about 25 points per game in his last seven. And defensively, he's the best player in that conference. So, I think he, what he brings to the NBA table is he's got offensive skill and defensive attributes that any team would long for. He can protect the rim. He can slide in space. And I, I think he's a guy that'll move up draft boards more and more when people get more exposure to watching the Dayton Flyers. I agree. I was high on him last year. He was one of my guys that I like coming into this season. And I would say the skill set that he has shown that has really caught my attention outside of him being an you know, just being athletic and, and able to put the ball in the basket is I think he's grown as a passer. Now the turnovers are still high. The assist to turnover ratio is still underwater, but he's made some impressive reads this season that have caught my attention and makes me believe that he has some, some promise as, as a passer, maybe just a short roll passer, but I've been, um, I've really been impressed with some of his reads and, and finding cutters. All right. Number 20. Number 20, I do have a, one of those high-profile bigs, and that's Kalel Ware from, from Oregon. I, I think his counting stats are disappointing. I think he's playing on a team that's not achieving their aspirations. Um, Oregon and under Dana Altman is confused. They, play, they have three guys that are enormous. They play a zone at times, uh, so it's, it's a, sometimes a difficult evaluation on the defensive end. But this is where you look at traits in high school tape, um, and, and I think – Kalel Ware has got the shooting touch that, you know, is, is what modern scouts desire. They covet as someone who can step out and also protect the rim. Uh, I, I'm not in love with how he's played. And when I first made this, I made a few adjustments from when I made this on January 9th. And, and I, I've only made one rendition. It was all on January 9th, but I, would, I went back a few different times and I adjusted where he, Derek Lively, Kyle Filipowski, a lot of these highly coveted freshmen were on multiple occasions just because just I couldn't find a fit I loved. But I think his traits shine through. And at, at 20, you're getting a, a steal in terms of talent evaluation that if you, if you believe in your development, this guy is a guy you, you want to take at number 20. So I know this is all about the NBA draft. Right. But if you needed to win one college game, you had to choose your starting center between Kalel Ware and Donovan Klingon from UConn. Who are you taking? Klingon, for sure. 
Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, quite frankly, this is a college basketball take, but but Klingon was better than Sonogo, who's likely to win the Big East Player of the Year, if we're, if we're just being college basketball fans here. Yeah, I like him a lot. And, I mean, I saw the flashes in the, in the limited minutes earlier in the season. I I think I think with more playing time, he is going to really put himself in position to be a one-and-done. I don't think he's going to leave after a year, though. I think he stays in stores and makes himself a, a guy who can follow the footsteps of Walker Kessler, perhaps. Like someone who's tall, dominates on the interior using his length and, and verticality a la Roy Hibbert. And Adama Sanogo is going to get out of the way, and now he's going to be the featured man for what should be another good UConn team next year is, is what I would do if I were him. Yeah, but I mean, Kessler or Walker – Man, I always get his name mixed up. <laughs> it's Walker Kessler. Walker. He's, he's on the Jazz. I, I can I can cover that one. He in the one season where he had an opportunity to play. So yeah, I, I guess I can see the similarities. He didn't play a lot, or like you thought he would have as a freshman, and then had the breakout sophomore year. But where did he go in the draft? Like twenty two. Twenty two. I mean, is it far fetched to say with a couple strong performances, Klingon can go in the same range? I don't think that's crazy. I just think that he's got a better chance of going higher if he comes back than if he risks it the rest of the year. Like the Big East, he's not going to get enough play time because you're not going to bench Adama Sanogo. And that's where I, th- I mean, it's it's a catch-22. Sometimes the lesser they see of you, the the, the better it is. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think he definitely put himself in position to at least test the waters. All right, at number, where are we at, 21? Yep, 21. All right. Who you got? I, I got I got Noah Clowney. This is a guy that the more I see, the more I like what he does on a winning basketball team. He's, he's uh <laughs> yeah, he's he's someone that fits all the modern trends. Uh he's not shooting well from the free throw line, but I, I think his stroke is pretty pretty consistent. He'll be able to stretch the floor. He's athletic. I think he can guard multiple positions um in the front court and, and also switch some screens. Uh, I think he's the X factor for Alabama, who's one of the best couple teams in the in the college basketball ranks right now, which is, you know, not surprising because they have talent. But I think if you were to look on paper before the season, you would have said like, man, they'd, they'd need like Javon Kinnerly or someone like that to really be balling out and not. But Noah Clowney is the reason I think they're such a solid basketball team and not just an amalgamation of talent. So why is where ahead of Clowney? I mean, this is where I'm cutting things. I had Clowney ahead of him when I first made this, and I moved Ware up just because I thought the traits are are hard to pass at this range. But uh, but quite honestly, Clowney's been a better college player. This is this is where I get it myself in a catch twenty two. It's like why is Derek Lively in my in my first round considering he's doing terribly at Duke? Um, it's just I, I I try to be holistic and, and give them the benefit of the doubt of like I've watched their college film, I mean high school film. And I think that those traits are still there and they're able to be developed and cultivated if a staff that is good finds them. And, you know, that's a big if, but I, I, I will say, I think it's more likely I have Clowney in the top 20 soon than it is that, it, that I have where moving up as rapidly. See, I think if Clowney was a McDonald's all American and he was someone that we talked about in the preseason, he played the exact same way. I think he'd be ranked higher. I have them higher than both on, on, on my boards. All right, 20, where are we at, three? Uh, 22. 
22. I got another freshman who is highly regarded, and that's Kyle Filipowski. This is a guy I've moved all around my draft somewhere from this range. I, I can't quite envision a role for him, um, but his, his skill level is undeniable for that size. Like tonight against Pittsburgh, Duke looked kind of dead in the water, and Filipowski pours in a nice 28 and 15. Um, the fact that he's able to do that as a freshman is really impressive. He can shoot the rock. Um, maybe this is just me being a jazz fan, but and one of my best friends, the Duke fan, um, I, I brought up, could he be someone like Kelly Olenek? Um, and that's something that I can envision. And if you were to say Kelly Olenek's probably in his 10th year in the NBA, um, could Filipowski emulate that in, a, in an era that is highly, uh, like there's such an emphasis on shooting threes and having positional size, could he find a way to make 10-year pro out of that? I think so. So that that's kind of why I've put him there. Um, I think the athleticism of a guy like Clowney has a better chance of him moving up and, and outlasting the, and, and outperforming this this ranking, even though they're one part of uh, one spot apart. But I, I, I think the production is pretty undeniable at this point. Any concerns about the 42-26 shooting splits? Yes, there, there are concerns. I, I, I don't love this archetype of player typically someone who's big and I, I wouldn't, I don't want to sound bad saying this, but I feel like he's more of like a lumberer. Like he's not someone who's super fleet of foot and agile, and he doesn't quite have the guile that, uh, that some of these guys that in the past that have this build, they play the center um, that these guys and how he'd be asked to play like a stretch four. like, could he be Danilo Gallinari? I'm not sure. Is he Kelly Olenek? Uh, so yes, I am concerned by those shooting splits. I, I just think that someone's going to, like the fact that he's this big, this tall positional size and has the shooting stroke with the capacity to make, make the shots that you need to make from, for a big stretch four, and he could, he could play the five against non, non impressive centers. Yeah. I thought his, I know he was very skilled coming into the season. I thought that he would be a guy that played next to lively. and was kind of like your pick and pop guy. It hasn't went like I thought it would. Obviously, it hasn't went like Lively thought it would go either. But I'm just a little shocked at the the low three-point shooting percentage. Now, the free throw percentage is respectable. It's at about 79, close to 80%. But I thought he'd be a, a more efficient shooter from three. All right, so we stopped at, what, 23? Uh, this is 23 coming up. All right, so we'll, go, we'll do 23 through 30 after we talk about LinkedIn. If you're a small business owner or a hiring manager, you know that your success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your business goals. And LinkedIn Jobs, it helps you attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. You can identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them for fat. I'm sorry, you can connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs. It makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
and LinkedIn Jobs. It helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. You are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is Rafael Barlow, your host with Leaf Tulane, who is 23 names deep or 22 names deep on his latest big board. And at number 23, who is your guy? I've got Bryce Sensabaugh of Ohio State at 23, a freshman who, similar to a guy who preceded him at, uh, for the Buckeyes in Malachi Branham, is filling up the score sheets and doing it in multiple ways. He's able to score in the interior. We've spoken about him a little bit in a recent episode about where I think he'd be best suited if he lost a little bit of weight and played the two guard. Um, but I think to score 22 points a game, or sorry, 20 and 22 per 36, um, for in the Big Ten, which is known for a slower pace and really spearheading a Buckeyes attack that is not super talented but well coached. Um, I think if you were to put him in an NBA system, that almost accelerates his development. And uh, I like I like what he's done so far. And I just my only concern would be can he play the two at uh, which I think would be his best position at that weight. So I think twenty three is a nice landing spot for him. He's a guy that I think around draft time you're going to hear. He's down to 225. He's down to 220. And, I mean, he's probably going to look really impressive in workouts as far as, like, showcasing more athleticism than he's shown once he once he sheds the weight a little bit. But he's been on a, a very impressive roll, 43% from three, 51% from the floor, 80% from the foul line. You got to like what he's doing in his last few games, 21-18, 21-22. I mean, he's been – He's been a bucket, and so I definitely see why you like him. All right, 24. I'm staying in the Big Ten, and I'm going to a a guy in the Iowa Hawkeyes, Chris Murray, twin brother Keegan Murray. Um, I, I haven't been overly impressed with him this year, but at a similar point, you know what he is. He's a known commodity at this point. He's able to rebound. He's able to defend at adequate levels. And his shooting to me is still a bit of a question mark. I think he's shooting well, but his release, I'm curious about when he plays NBA athletes, does it get off at a level that, that has him be a marksman at the next level? And I think that what, that's what is the swing skill for him. If he's a good three-point shooter and he's able to have these traits of um, intelligence-driven, impressive defensive ability, I don't know if that makes sense, but he knows where to be and he's got this athleticism that's, uh, that's functional on the defensive end. I think that that makes him a, a valuable candidate in that this range of the draft. What's funny is, is he really a known commodity or do we assume he's a known commodity because he has a twin brother that plays <laughs> similar? Because if you think about it, this is really his first year getting, I mean, I guess he played last year, but this is like his first year as, as the man. I, I think he's a known commodity as far as college basketball. Yeah. I, I think you know what he's going to do every night. Like he's going to fill up the stat sheet in a plethora of ways. If his shot's not falling, he's going to take you to the block. Yep. Yeah. 38% from three. I know coming into the season, my notes on him were, I believed in his percentage, but it was like, he was very streaky. Like he have like a, a, a stretch of games where it was lights out and then he'd have a stretch of games where he couldn't make anything. And then it balanced out to a respectable, you know, 38, 39, 40% from three. All right. Who is next on your list? 
This is a guy who's uh, going to play a similar position, but he's a few years younger, and that's Taylor Hendricks at UCF. Uh, he's a guy that is has been a little inconsistent in his recent games, but he shows flashes of, of high-level athleticism and shooting ability for a freshman playing in the AAC. I, um, I'm a little torn as to whether to believe in, in the flashes or, or watch him play the game like today that goes to double overtime where he, he scores in single digits. Uh, I guess those freshman growing pains, but I, I'm willing to believe in the flashes and and see someone that's six nine runs like a deer and and can and can shoot the ball. I think there's a, a place for him in the NBA. Yeah, shooting thirty nine percent from three. Well, that was prior to to today. Um, he has, I want to say, one more game against Houston, who I, I think is going to be heavily scouted. But I I liked him after seeing him. It may have been the first game of the year, second. It was it was very early. Yeah, in the Florida State, like Florida second State. game or something. Yeah, but that's when he he was on my radar. So what number are we at now? Twenty. Uh, this is twenty six now after Hendricks. Twenty six. All right, four guys left. I got Rayon Rupert. Um, this is this is an interesting one. I haven't watched. Admittedly, I haven't watched as much of him as I have the college players, but I have watched a few games of his. And this is one where I believe in the traits. Um, I, I was I had a slight discussion on Twitter with someone who said, man, his shot looks silky smooth. I disagree. I think it's very slow. Um, and it's like it's kind of rickety almost. Um, but he's 18 How do you spell years old. Rickety? What? How do you spell rickety? <laughs> R-I-C-K-E-T-Y, maybe? I just mess it with you. I, I don't know. <laughs> Your but, vocabulary uh, is is uh is definitely extensive. I mean, the, every episode you you hit us with the word in, from the leaf vocabulary, but I might I might have to add that to like my scattering porch rickety shooting form. I, I mean, I, I think it is. It's yeah. it's slow. It's, it's got it, some hitches to it. It's long. Um, I think it's yeah. long. It, it, it takes a while to get off. But it, regardless, I, I think he's got high-end athleticism. And I almost compare him to Andre Jackson in the sense that those two are just superb run-and-jump athletes, but they haven't found a way to incorporate it to their half-court offense. Andre Jackson's become more of a facilitator for UConn, but he's a few years older, which is why I have Rupert higher. I think he's going to be a high-end defender someone that can develop into a consistent shooter because the stroke's not horrible. Like I said, it's rickety though. And I will, I think this is a guy that's got more potential um, and his floor somewhat high. If he can shoot an adequate percentage after a few years of development. Yeah. His wingspan is ridiculous. Like seven, one or something like that. All right. 27. And this is where the fall of Derek lively concludes for me. Um, Derek Lively is a guy that coming in was by some accounts, the number one player in the height and the country coming into Duke, um, thought that he could replace Mark Williams and they wouldn't skip too much of a beat. He's been a disappointment in all regards. I, I one th- his saving grace right now is his blocks per minute is high and, and his defensive ratings are pretty high. And, but I, I don't know how much to make of that. I just think that someone, if you put him in the right hands, the development program with these athletic traits that he possesses. Um, you can make him into a drop coverage big that makes an impact on winning and catches lobs at a decent level because he's got good coordination. He's not going to be a go-to scorer, but he can be a drop coverage big who catches lobs. Yeah, man. It's like he's on a 12 to 13 minutes minute restriction. Like the last few games, he hasn't gone above that. He had 12 minutes against Boston College, 12 versus NC State, 13 versus Florida State, made a whopping one field goal. 
in those three games. And then today uh, or last night, he played 12 minutes and he scored six points, but he had five fouls. It's 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 going to be very interesting to see what happens with him around around draft time. All right. Twenty eight. Twenty eight for me is City Sissoko. Um, this is a guy that catches my eye and, and, and flashes every time I've watched him play. He, he cuts aggressively. He finishes above the rim. I think he's got a pretty good jump shot for his age and, and the position. Um, there's a, li- a fair likelihood when I watch more of G League Ignite that he moves up. Um, this, again, is something that I've watched more of the college players. So I like to go with what I know better than just smaller flashes. And, yes, I've watched them a number of times, but I watch a lot of college basketball. So he's lower on my knowledge base but every time i've watched him i've I've enjoyed the flashes that i've seen and i think this is a guy that uh, if you're drafting late in the first round that you would like to take a flyer on yeah i I like his size and his his uh court vision i think that's his greatest asset i just hate his shot selection i hate that he will settle for a step back three he has the body to be able to just punish smaller defenders and get downhill and uh, that's one reason why I'm not as high on him because I just, I just, I didn't like his shot selection last year when he played in Spain. And, and this year I just figure like if he has a ball screen, he's not going to attack downhill. He's going to shoot a step back three. All right. 29. 29 is a guy I think has a pretty good case to move up as well. And that's Leonard Miller, someone that last year I was pretty low on. I, I there was a lot of people on Twitter saying, man, this guy could be a super high pick because he's long. He can handle the ball. And then he went to the combine. And he was exposed for not having, not being ready to play these guys who just played a f- entire college season. And now I think in the G league ignite, he's matured. I think he's shown a, an improved arsenal with the, and without the ball and an understanding of the game. And, and I think he's a guy that, with his frame and his athleticism and now a year of developing both mentally and physically, he's got a pretty good chance to be drafted in the top 20 right now. Um, I, I've got him at 29, but I think he's one of the more likely guys that I'll move up. Yeah. I like Leonard Miller. I like that. He's rebounding. I like that. It's not major, but for me, it was a confidence thing. He had a game winning shot earlier this year. I think that the passing instincts are there. It's just the decision-making is, is still a little bit behind, but I, he's raw. And he just has the tools at 6'11 to be able to defend multiple positions. So I, I really like Leonard Miller there. All right, last pick and least first big board of 2023. I've got Colby Jones of Xavier. Um, this is a guy that spearheads an attack that is one of the better backcourts in the country one of the more underrated teams in the country um xavier's moved up to six and oh in the big east one of my my favorite teams to watch um i watch him play even the, the game i watched today as we're recording this against creighton um he was the more the more fluid of those guards uh, between he trey alexander ryan nemhard sule boom um he was able to pick and choose his spots throughout the game he doesn't force anything he he kind of wiggles his way to the rim he's not a superb shooter but he hits open shots and i just like the way he lets the game come to him and he impacts it in a positive way both on both sides of the floor yeah he just does a little bit of everything good passer a little bit of a reluctant shooter as far as like on shooting off the catch but i think he is a guy that's just going to be really solid and have a good 
career. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you for coming on two days in a row. And thank you, the listener, for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Now check out the Locked On Game to Game Podcast. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow the Game to Game on Locked On NBA. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow with my co-host Leaf Chuling, and we are out.